There is this thing that is often said. If you preach the gospel, people will stop coming to your church. Yeah. We, well, and I say that because we live in a time where so many churches look so different. This idea of the gospel, it doesn't fit in with like the self-help movement that many churches have become. And so today I just want to speak on this subject of gospel. Don't know where to go, can't make any promises here. But I would just want to urge you, don't stop at noon on Sunday. I'm going to be speaking out of the book of Galatians. Galatians is known as the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. Going to be reading from chapter 1, the first 10 verses to you, and then we're going to dig into that. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul goes on to say, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. He closes in verse 10 by saying, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Ooh, the gospel. When you start digging into the gospel, it shakes you. You know, you can't just sort of be a hobbyist when it comes to the gospel. You and I, when it comes to this, if you're wondering, what does gospel mean? Well, gospel means you and I, we were born into a fallen world. We were born into sin. Sin by its very nature brings about destruction and death. It brings about separation from Jesus Christ. And in eternity, that separation will mean hell. Again, these are words you may not hear in church very much, right? Because we try to make this like we don't want to be offensive. We don't want the gospel to seem harsh. We want the gospel to seem palatable. We knew that we can't redeem ourselves. We know that we don't have the power. And so God, he sends his only son here to this earth to walk among us, to be blameless, to take on the sin of the world, to die on a cross, to be buried, to be resurrected three days later, to defeat death, hell, and the grave, to provide a bridge for us to have relationship with God when we ask forgiveness and begin a walk of repentance, to give us this privilege of having the presence to have relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's gospel. Whatever we do as a church, it must start there. It must end there. It must be around that every step that we go. Paul, 
the very first thing here. He says, I'm Paul, an apostle. He's talking about his identity. An apostle is a messenger. And I urge every one of you to know who you are in Jesus Christ. Know who you are. We live in a society that makes people question their very identity at times. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. He speaks in confidence in who he is. But what I love about these verses, it describes who he is in parentheses. Confidence can walk in parentheses. And I say that to us as a church because often we are concerned about title. Often we will say, I'm a Christian. If you're saying that to the world, the world often doesn't care when you say that. Title versus testimony. If you have been in any college course and you have had that awkward experience where someone says to the professor, Mr. So-and-so, and the professor snaps back with, that is Dr. So-and-so. I did not spend eight years in order to be called Mr. And what's really awkward when they do that in a class is when it's an English class, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? When I think of a doctor, I think of somebody who can birth babies, and I don't think of someone who can, like, tell me the difference between a gerund and a participle, because when it comes down, I don't want to know your title. I want to know what you can do. The world doesn't care about how religious we are. We always need to be connected to the truth of the gospel. We always need to go to God's word to find out whose we are, and that will define who we are. When Paul's talking, Paul goes on to say, and my brother's with me. Oh, I love this. In other words, I walk in confidence, but I don't walk alone. Paul didn't operate as this lone wolf. Paul knew that he had a tribe. Find your tribe and walk with your tribe in a practical way when it comes to church. If we come to church at 11 o'clock and we leave church at 11.55 and we speak to no one in the church, then we don't have a tribe. Just for real, like, I don't like to go to a movie theater with my wife for a date because I feel like I'm with the hundred other people as much as I am with my wife. I want to go and sit in a loud restaurant and throw peanuts on the floor. That, to me, is intimacy. But Paul talks about this brotherhood there. Brotherhood is intentional. Finding your tribe is intentional. Paul says in verse 3 that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present age according to the will of God our Father. Do you remember when that word in that verse that gave? Do you, you may have been a kid in Sunday school the first time that you memorized John 3.16. You may have been a baby Christian that was just getting in the word and it blew your mind the first time that you read John 3.16, and it sunk in, but he gave. This idea that we, as part of our testimony, need to give of ourselves. Christ modeled that for us. You aren't giving until you're giving of yourself. I have met pastors who seem put out by shepherding flocks, and I'm like, what are you in this for? We need to not look at ministry as challenge. We need to look at it as privilege. 
Oh, this gospel. It wasn't just for an experience. It was a beginning point for you. That sinner's prayer that was prayed, you know, so often, and you think about this, how many of you can remember when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? How many of you can remember being at an altar and crying those tears and giving your heart to Jesus and thinking, yes, like you felt the power of this gospel draw you. You felt what it was about, but it was only a beginning. I'm going to say this, that that sinner's prayer is for a person who doesn't know Jesus to come in relationship, but this gospel isn't just about that. It's to empower a walk that stands up from that altar and walks in a different direction from that point. That is the power of this. Paul, in this passage, he says, my concern is that you've turned to a different gospel, another gospel. Just going to be real. This seems to be a major issue when it comes to the church, when it comes to the American church, when it comes to this idea that you can have entire movements which seem like life coaches and practical life lessons carrying a Bible. But here's a deal I'm going to tell you one of my favorite quotes. Do with it what you want. I saw it on Facebook and it made me laugh. When I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me what Joel Osteen did for the kingdom of God. He's going to ask me what I did for the kingdom of God. You can insert any preacher's name in there, but he is not going to do that. And here's where I am. I want to be at a place where my heart is broken because there's a lost and dying world. I want to be at a place where I am motivated by the fact that, hey, when every single soul gets saved, when we don't have to worry about salvation anymore, then maybe we can schedule a stone-throwing event between churches, and we can do it on pay-per-view, and we can call it a fundraiser. But up to that point, I do not want to be concerned with throwing stones because the truth is, when it comes to this walk, from the very moment that it became apparent that Jesus had raised from the dead, that this gospel was this thing, you have Matthew 28, they said, go, go and preach it. They didn't say stay and fight. They didn't say stay and criticize. They said, go and preach it. And that's what we need to be about. The major issue when it comes to the American church, it's made of people like me. That's the major issue. I don't want to leave the gospel at the altar. I want to live those words of that song, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. I want that gospel to be every step of what we do. The English teacher in me that doesn't need to be called doctor because I would never pursue that level of education. When I read the words of that, so that he can deliver us in this present age. Deliver versus delivered. This gospel doesn't stop. It'll never lose its power. At the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ, I did not launch up to heaven like one of Elon Musk's rockets. I was right here on this earth. I remained here in a fallen world, and I remained for a reason, for deliverance, for continual deliverance, so that this God who saved my soul says, I'm going to show up again. I'm going to show up again. The heart of the gospel message says, I cannot deliver me, but God can deliver me. Deliverance. It may not be deliverance from the presence of what's coming against me. It may be deliverance from the power of what's coming against me. And I need to walk in that. 
The gospel isn't done with us until we set foot in heaven. I haven't arrived. I am en route to heaven to deliver us from this present age. The gospel speaks presence. I never want to feel comfortable in the presence of the gospel. I've been talking, I've been talking to James about this one. I never want to feel comfortable in the presence. I always want to feel like this. Give me that slide with it. This is how I want to feel when I'm around the gospel. Like, I'm not super comfortable with this shining in my eyes. I'm never super comfortable with what's going on because I know that it's more powerful. I know that I haven't arrived yet. The gospel, it's tough. It's uncomfortable. The Navy SEALs have this saying that the only easy day was yesterday. And there are times in our walk that I need to walk according to that. That this day may be tough, but I know who walks beside me. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says that he dies daily. It is time for me in my walk to begin to die daily. It's a privilege to do that. There was a time in my life when I would often think, but if I die daily, how far can I really go? If I always start at dying daily, it's like I viewed it like as a spiritual groundhog day. Like that movie, that every morning wake up to Sonny and Cher singing, and I'm going to die today, and then I'm going to go as far as I can go. But it's not that. It is me going as far as God will take me that day. God, you've got this. God, and not woe is me, woe is me. No, but this idea, like I am a blood-bought child of God. I'm not waking up in the mully grubs. I'm waking up in victory, but I'm dying to you. There are parts of this walk that can fall away right now. The message of the gospel is always going to be deeply offensive to our human nature. It's the truth of the matter. Like if you have a fun gospel, is it the gospel? I'm in this world and I'm still human. You know what it's going to wound? It's going to wound my pride. It's going to wound my pride because I am all about self-sufficiency. And I think if I get in a spot, then I can get out of this. There are some spots spiritually that we need God to get us out of. My pride will not get me out of it. This idea that I need a Savior can be so tough for me. My wisdom, it will insult my wisdom. This idea that what do you mean? What do you mean, like, praying, accepting God, walking differently, and then this, this in some way, like, putting him first and honoring him? It doesn't make sense in our human minds that that's how this thing works. It's really odd. When it comes to our knowledge, it's going to insult our knowledge. Look at any number of people that are on YouTube right now that have a $30 whatever camera. And they're ring, and they're like, these are 10 reasons why there cannot be a God. And then you'll have somebody regurgitating that fact and saying, you know, because I am 23 years old and I have determined there is no God. And I'm like, oh, wow. This is the world we live in because our knowledge tries to disprove God, but God proves himself over and over again. The why of the gospel was for God's will. According to the will of God our Father. We can never attribute victory to ourselves, only to God. Paul warns against this different gospel. False doctrine, that big problem in the Galatian church, a huge problem in the American church. Here is my advice to you if you wonder about this, like how do I know if it's the gospel? If it tickles more than it challenges, it is probably false. When you walk in it, if it's comfortable, it's not going to be 
comfortable at all times. If you want to make me uncomfortable, put me in a suit. I don't know how to walk in a suit. I don't know what to do. My arms, they just, they stay out at my sides. And I was saying the other day, like when it comes to a tie, like at what point did they think, let's tie silk around a guy's neck and think that that's practical in any way, shape, or form? All it does is catch toothpaste and tomato sauce. That's my take there. The gospel wasn't meant to keep me giddy. It was meant to keep me growing in Jesus Christ. Do you notice that when Paul's warning here, he says, you have turned away. Notice that he didn't say, beware right now of what. No, he's saying it in a way like it's subtly happening. You are turning away. A substitution has been made. I cannot help but think, give me this Oreo slide. There is someone that I think of when I think of this. (laughs) Who do you think of? He's sitting right behind you. It's my father-in-law. And see, Dennis, you could put... 15 Oreos on a table, and you could substitute one of the Oreos with a reduced fat one. And Dennis, he'll go down the line. And when he gets to that reduced fat one, he'll do this thing. He's like, what's going on? The face and everything, doesn't he? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mona's not here today. Sorry, Dennis. Uh, Standing in. So with this, though, the substitution, this is kind of how it should feel. You know, when we, like, there's just something off. God's going to give you that urging, like, something is just off about this. Something's just off. When you hear that, you need to dig into it. When you hear those things, don't just keep going forward. Because the substitution, when it's made, it's not always for something good. My gospel. That's what I can get about. I can make my own gospel up. And this is what's weird. Again, and I'm just saying to all of us. Are there harmful movements that are taking place? Yes. Are truth of the matter, and I'm just eating things that are not biblical? Yes. But the truth of the matter, and I'm just going to be real about this, I make up my own gospel. I'm just, not me, like, don't get mad at me. I'm saying all of us do. That's how I should put it, because everyone's looking at me like, what? I'm saying this is something that we do. We may never write it down and publish it. We may never stand on the street corner, but we evangelize it in certain ways. The word, the turning away from God, it doesn't say running away from God. It doesn't say stomping away. It doesn't say tiptoeing. It's saying turning away. Just how I'm facing you right now. Like I could just subtly not face you. But for everything that I turn away from, I turn towards something else. And the devil is just waiting to put something right in front of you when you turn away from God. He's instant in that way. I always want the light of the gospel to hurt my eyes. I always want it to. That gospel, I love how it says here, which is not another. In other words, It may try to put itself out there as a gospel, but there's nothing gospel about it. It may seem like the truth, but it is not the truth. And something I would say to us as a church, there are not different versions of the truth. There's not different good news. There's, uh, King James says, turning unto another gospel. No kinda, no sorta, it was completely different. And it's time to call it as it is and stop walking in things that we know we shouldn't walk in. In Proverbs 14 and 12, it tells me when I walk according to my own heart, even just a little bit, that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. 
When someone tries to give you something that is counterfeit, that is not according to God's word, it's trouble. Paul says those people trouble you in this passage. When I try to make the gospel easier for people, more palatable for people, I am giving you trouble because you need the gospel exactly as it is. We need the sting of it sometimes. We need it to bring the tears. We need it to remind us that we haven't arrived. It is subtle the way that the enemy works, and he is deceptive. From the very beginning, that's how he's been, and that's how he is now. Chances are very good if the devil is looking for someone to deceive me. Do you know who he'll start with? You're probably thinking Dina, but it's me. He's going to start with me if he wants to deceive me because this is the way that it works. Who can be their own worst enemy better than me? We need to walk in a manner that we're on guard. Whoever twists the truth into another gospel is bringing a curse, it says here in the Bible. Very basic. Do you want to walk in blessing or do you want to walk according to a curse? You know, if you had a kid in front of you, do you want good or do you want bad? Any kid would choose the good. We need to stop muddying the waters when it comes to the gospel. We need to get to a place where we understand this, and I'm just going to get really real right here for a minute, and I'm sorry, but this happens sometimes. We need to stop letting the devil deceive us that when we walk around spouting negative all day, that that's not in some way a prayer because we spent 20 minutes in our war room prayer closet that morning. I walk around It is a prayer if it comes out of my mouth. I need to be speaking God's word as I go throughout the day. There's not this pass like, well, if he's on his knees, that's a prayer. But any other time, that gets a pass. No, someone is listening. I need to be walking according to that 24-7. This just got to get it off my chest kind of sharing. Am I not speaking cursing? I'm saying it because I'm saying it to me as much as anyone else. The reason that I'm saying it this way is because we can start in subtle ways getting off track, and that's what the devil loves. He doesn't even want to walk beside me into destruction. He just wants to give me an alternate route and watch me take it. It broke my heart, and it breaks my heart. How many substitution things can happen in our lives? And how we just end up down a road. As a church, going to be real again. 2024 is an election year. We can become passionate about politics. Don't put politics before Jesus Christ. Don't get in a place with righteous anger where you are spouting off about different subjects and thinking you are, because again, if you turn away and turn toward, turn toward something else, you're turning away from Jesus Christ. It's truth. If you do that, we're in a place where the stakes are so high. We're in a place where we cannot afford to just lay back and be like, maybe I'll go to church Sunday. No, 
we are in a society where belief in God, society is trying to just eradicate it. They're not even making any bones about it anymore. We need to step up and step in. And here's what's weird. The verses here said that the goal is to pervert the gospel of Christ, to just slightly twist it, to slightly bend it. You won't even hardly notice. And we talked before, when it comes to things like when you go shoot, if you're an inch off here, that by the time something gets downrange, it's way off. And we're in a place where we need to begin to correct. We need to begin to say, God, square me up where I need to be squared up. And the truth is, if we do this the right way, and this is what's sad, we're not going to be on the news and the news be like, Christian Life Church, doing it the right way. If you do it the right way, you will be unpopular. If you do it the right way, you're probably going to be mocked. If you do it the right way, you're probably going to be called out. It wasn't Paul's gospel. It's not my gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. In closing, you know, how can we practically look at this? We can look at it like this. Sunday. Now, one of Craig's kids, if not all three of them, is going to come up to me and ask me, Pastor Bob, do you want Chick-fil-A today? You hungry for Chick-fil-A? They do this to me every Sunday. It's wrong. I love those kids, though. It's like you are a franchisee when it comes to this gospel. If I was a franchisee and I opened up a Chick-fil-A, I could not go in on Monday morning and be like, you know what this place needs? This place needs Big Macs. Nope. Chicken. That's what they sell. We can't, as Christians, just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm about this gospel, but I'm going to take it totally 180 because I think that would fit better. We need to get to a place where we understand that what God says, that's what we walk according to. Nothing else. I saw this picture. I think it's a cool thing to end on. How is it going to feel when you carry the gospel? It's kind of going to feel like this. It's your job to push the produce cart. It's your job to push the produce cart. There is fruit of the Spirit, and your job is just to push. Your job is to get out there, whether it is rainy, whether it is sunny. You can get all three seasons real quick here in Ohio this time of year. Your job is to get out there and push it and let people see this is the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm putting it out there again. And tomorrow morning when I show up, I'm putting it out there again. And you know what? There he is again. And it may not be glorious. It may not be something that people envy, but our job is to do that. If you stand. My challenge to us as a church body. I'm going to ask this. Remember when that gospel changed your life. Just take a moment. Remember how it felt? Remember when you would have 
run through a wall in order to lay your sin down. Remember how it felt when that weight was lifted. There's an entire world that has not felt that. Live in such a way that they're going to say, what's different? Live in such a way that they're going to be like, I don't know what it is, but there's something different. It's not because you told me you were Reverend so-and-so, but because you're living in such a way that I just, I can't quite put my finger on. And you say, it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's Jesus Christ who took a broken life and put it together. It is Jesus Christ that I walk with. This is the goal. I say it because I'm done with like the, the playing, the whole idea like feel good idea but it's gonna sting it's gonna sting if you bow your heads we're going to pray Father right now in this moment remind me whatever has happened this week whatever has happened this month remind me that you are bigger Father, for any time that I have tried to pack your gospel up and put it in a memory box because that's what brought me to you, help me to take it out and understand that this walk does not exist outside of you. I pray that you would sharpen us. I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that as we look to you, God, that we would never get so comfortable that this would just become a hobby. But Lord, let it be a life-shaping change. In Jesus' name, I pray. Here's what I would ask if you are here. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I explained a couple of weeks ago and maybe people didn't understand the the visual in it. I like to turn it on its head a little bit. I don't think that the walk should all be on your part. I think that if you want to receive Jesus Christ, if you want someone to pray with you, that you just raise your hand because I think you need to feel the love of the Father approach you. I say it every time that we're here, that there is no greater thing than than this, than this feeling of family. But what's even better is adding to the family. If you're here and that's you, you can just slip your hand up and I won't embarrass you. I'll make my way to you in a moment and we'll pray.